Well, I invite you to turn your copies of God's holy and inspired word back to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. This morning, we are going to close out our study of this letter as we look at the the end of this letter as the Apostle Paul sums up everything that he has been discussing as he sums it up here in the end itself. Now, by this point, I would imagine that, uh, that you are familiar with the words grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we refer to as the apostolic greeting. It is, um, um, for our purposes here, it's Ephesians 1-2. And you'll find this in most of Paul's letters as he begins his letters with this greeting. It is not only a greeting, though. It is a benediction, grace to you and peace. Now, keep that in mind as we read the end of Ephesians this morning. I'm going to be begin reading in verse 18. The title of the sermon this morning is the title of the sermon series itself, Our Shared Life and Mission in the Peacemaking Christ. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you, For this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, reveal to us yourself afresh through these words this morning. Because there have been many things that have happened to us since the last time we heard you speak to us here in this congregation. There have been many wrestlings within our hearts. There have been many struggles that we have faced either, uh, either for ourselves or that we have faced for others as loved ones around us have had to uh, deal with the practical implications of still living in a sinful world. And so much has happened to us, Father, and yet help us to see that in everything that has happened, nothing can change who we are in Christ. Nothing can change who you are to us in Christ. Nothing can change the shared life, love, and mission that we have with the triune God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so affix in us, Lord, a faith that is able to latch hold of the things not seen, so that by them 
we might define what we experience on a daily basis. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you have heard in the, in the um, announcements this morning that Pastor Joseph is in prison for the gospel. It was asked this morning in Sunday school as we were discussing, or it was really, it was commented on that for most of us, in fact, I would say all of us, we all live with a daily gap between what we hear and believe in terms of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what we actually experience and know of ourselves on a daily basis. Both of these things are the same. Whether you are Pastor Joseph or whether you are the Apostle Paul who is in prison for the gospel, or whether it's you or I who who experience that daily gap between what God says is true of us in Jesus versus what we know of ourselves on a daily basis. There is always on this side of the heavenly places, there is a gap between what is true of us in Jesus Christ, both in terms of our relationship to God in Christ as well as our vocational callings in Christ. There is a gap between those things and what you and I experience on a daily basis. And this is why the Apostle Paul has written this letter to the Ephesians, to this young church that that came into existence in the midst of great tragedy, in the midst of great affliction, in, in the midst of great persecution. And as they have been a church that has continued to deal with the problems that sin and sinners create for a local church, Paul is wanting to write them, we are told here, to encourage their hearts. And what is it that he has chosen to unfold to this people who live with this gap of experience between who they are and how they actually live. This gap of experience between the calling that they have and the actual uh, ways that they engage in their daily living. Well, he encourages them with the heavenly perspective of the heavenly reality of what it means to be a heavenly people who are living on earth as ambassadors of the heavenly places. The perspective that we are being called to embrace throughout the entire letter uh, to the Ephesians is when we experience this gap between what we believe to be true and what we actually experience that we learn to exercise our faith more and more by choosing to embrace what can only be seen by faith. We grasp hold of the things not seen in order to define the things that are seen by that. A heavenly perspective 
of who God is, what he has done, who we are, and how we are to live as those empowered by the heavenly realities as heavenly ambassadors here on earth. Now we noted last time that that God has blessed us with this extravagant grace in Jesus Christ. And an extravagant grace that not only brings us our salvation and a right standing with God, but it is an extravagant grace that empowers us to live out that heavenly calling that we have in Christ. God's grace is it's extravagant, it's rich, it's all-encompassing. There is nothing that has been left out. And that grace brings us into salvation, and that grace also strengthens us to live out our salvation. And in Christ... You are no longer someone who is simply a member of this world. You are now one who is part of the heavenly kingdom of God in Christ. But not only are you a citizen, you are an ambassador. Ambassadors, we know this uh, from, from our own government and the way things even uh, still work today, where an ambassador is someone who, who has been given the authority to speak on behalf of a greater authority to someone else, someone who embodies and represents the, the realities, the, the values of the culture, the, 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 you know, the values of law, the values of, of what is important in life, that, that an ambassador is someone who, who represents and embodies all of those things as an official representation. So that when we send, for example, an ambassador for America over into a different country, they are not there representing themselves, they are there representing our country. You and I are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And we are ambassadors because we are no longer dead in our sins and trespasses, but have been made alive, raised up, and seated with Christ in the heavenlies. And so you now are alive in the heavenlies, but you don't only live there, you also still live here. And he empowers you to live out your ambassadorship so that in the way that you live, the way that you speak, the way that you spend your time and you spend your money, the things that you give yourself to are an opportunity to reveal the kingdom of Christ. And you and I don't do it perfectly. The Ephesian church did not do it perfectly. But the calling we have is to constantly reorient ourselves to these things. So we have this extravagant grace. We have this amazing calling. We have been given the, 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 the armor of God himself. And as we said, we, we have to, to purposely choose 
to put on that armor and to, and to use that armor. And prayer is one of the keys to us doing that. And that is because even though we've been given new lives in Jesus Christ, even though we've been made those who are citizens of the heavenlies and those who are ambassadors of the heavenlies, the reality is for you and me that we don't only experience within ourselves who God counts us to be in the heavenlies. You and I wrestle with a conflict of loves. It is inherent to who we are as sinners saved by grace who have been given new lives in Jesus Christ where the penalty for sin is paid, where the power of sin is broken, but where the presence of sin is still a reality. And so everyone in this room, if you are in Christ, you live a daily experience in which there is a conflict of loves that are within your heart that work themselves out in your lives. Where there are some, some areas in your life where, where you are given over to love the things that God loves, and there are other areas where you are not loving the things that God loves. There is this conflict of loves because we can't get away from it. It's who we are. Emily Dickinson put it this way, the heart wants what it wants or it doesn't care. The heart wants what it wants or it doesn't care. Meaning, if you care about anything, it is a reflection of what your heart is wanting. You and I never sin against what we want. Our sin is always a carrying out of what we want. The heart wants what it wants or it doesn't care. Augustine put it this way, My weight is my love wherever I am carried. It is my love that is carrying me there. Everything that you do is a reflection of a love that is in your heart. One of the scary questions that we can ask ourselves is, what if I don't really love what I think I love? Well, in these situations, this is why we have word and prayer and the sacraments, so that we can grow and we can mature in receiving and embracing, embodying and extending God's love to ourselves, let alone to others. And prayer plays this most important role for us as we, through prayer, actively engage our hearts in dependence upon God in order that those old sinful affections and aspirations are being redeemed and sanctified in Christ. Where even those sin patterns 
that you developed within your life before you came to know Christ, these sin patterns that you're not even aware of right now and the different ways that they express themselves when we pray and when we open ourselves up to this sanctifying presence of God in Christ through his Holy Spirit, the extravagant grace of God is working on these things. And so we pray. We pray all kinds of prayers, and we pray at all times, praying for yourself and for your brother and sister in Christ, because all of us are ambassadors of the heavenly places who wrestle against our ambassadorship on a daily basis. And so you need help, and I need help, and we need it at the very core of who we are, and that is within the core of our loves. And so notice here the apostle, as he brings this letter to a close, he, he ends where he begins. He wants to encourage the hearts of God's people. And so he manifests this, this shared mission that Paul has with the Ephesian church in which Paul and the Ephesians together are in partnership with God himself. Paul is in prison for the gospel. And the, the Ephesian church that had come into existence directly because of his ministry in, in the city of Ephesus for three years, they are rightly concerned about what is happening to Paul. They are also rightly concerned about what this means for themselves. And so the Apostle Paul, who has been unfolding this peace of Christ and has been unfolding this love of Christ, doesn't just send a word to highlight that love to encourage the Ephesian church. The, the Ephesian church, Paul embodies the love of Christ in sending Tychicus. Tychicus is mentioned in several letters in the New Testament. He is one who was a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. He is one who remained faithful to the Apostle Paul. When you look through the different endings of Paul's letters, you read of these different occasions in which there were conflicts, even within Paul's ministry. There were conflicts where some, some guys who had been serving well, then they shipwrecked their faith and they walked away from Christ altogether. Tychicus is someone who we believe came into the ministry, Paul's ministry when Paul was, uh, was, was in Greece. And that he is associated with Paul in Paul's third missionary journey and, and the end of Paul's life. In 2 Timothy, the very last thing that Paul wrote, where he wrote from prison, he, he talks, uh, he, he says to Timothy, I need you to come here. I need you to come to me where I am in prison because I sent Tychicus to the Ephesians. Let that hit you for a second. This guy who was in prison for preaching the gospel where you and I would think, well, you know, he should be living this great life of victory. 
But no, he's in prison. And in prison, it was he had to rely on the church. The state didn't provide for him other than providing guards. And so Paul, in terms of his daily living, his daily sustenance, his needs, they had to be provided by the church. The spiritual encouragement to stay true even while in prison, which was an encouragement that came from people like Tychicus. Paul says, I'm so concerned about you right now and the encouragement of your hearts I'm sending Tychicus to you. See, it's one thing to talk about love. It's another thing to embody that love. It's one thing to talk about putting others in front of yourself. It's another thing to actually embody that and sacrificing what he needed, sacrificing what he longed for. Because we know he longed for it because he was sad that Tychicus went away, and yet he was willing to embrace that in order to serve and to love the Ephesian church. Do you remember from chapter 5 that the love with which we are loved by God and are to love one another is the love of the the self-sacrificing Jesus? who gave himself up as a propitiation to God. Paul, even here, as he's he's languishing in prison for the gospel, is willing to sacrifice his needs in order to love this church so that they would be encouraged so that they would not become to, that they would not become depressed or, or defensive but that they would be able to live in the freedom of who they are in Jesus Christ, to embrace the extravagance of that grace so that they could embody that grace there in Ephesus. There is a shared ministry here between the Apostle Paul and the Ephesians, but even greater, between all believers and the triune God. And the love of the triune God, which has not just been put on display, but has been accomplished through the sacrifice of the Son, is a love that you and I get to experience from God so that we can give that love away to one another within the walls of this church and so that we can show that love to those who are outside of these walls. Christ has made peace between God and sinners. And Christ has made peace between sinners and other sinners. And you and I, in Christ, have been made participants in that peacemaking ministry. And so in order for us to, be, to have the encouragement that we need, to have the empowerment that we need, the Apostle Paul closes with a benediction. And every time we close our service with a benediction, we are not closing it with a prayer. 
we are not closing it with a well wish. We are not closing it with a, "Mm, let's just try to hold on. We are closing with a good word that is effective in bringing about what it promises. And so what does this church need and what do you and I need here? Notice this benediction in in verses 23 and 24. He returns to this this benediction of peace and grace. He starts the letter with grace and peace. He closes with peace and grace. But notice here this peace that, that he is declaring to the brothers and sisters is a peace that includes love with faith. The peace of Christ, the peace that he has uh, uh, achieved by tearing down the wall of hostility between God and sinners and between sinners and sinners. This peace of Christ is the result of his love and it is an empowerment to not only receive and experience that love but to, to embody that love and to extend that love. And so here he sets upon the church the peace of Christ with The love that comes with faith. This is what he wants from us. For our faith to grasp hold of everything he has described in this letter. Our faith to grasp hold of the extravagant grace of Christ. Our faith to grasp hold of the God who wants us for his people. For our faith to grasp hold of this love that has been made manifest in this world in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, in his sacrificing life, in his love that led him to go to the cross and to give up his life. Your faith is to latch hold of that love. Because if you're honest, the loves that are within your own heart often are contradicting one another. And the love that is often not exhibited within the church often speaks so much louder. And when the church does not embody the love of Christ To the watching world, we are like a clanging gong. Beloved, Paul knows that there is this competition of loves within your own hearts. And so even in the benediction, he is setting God's love with faith upon you. Because there is no other place where that love can be found or can be experienced or can be extended to others. God has to put that love within us. And we have to embrace that love by faith so that we will experience between us and God, that we will experience it between one another, and so that we can have the confidence even in the midst of of persecution and difficulty and hatred 
that we can respond with love. And so the peace of Christ that has been achieved because of the love of God in Christ, this peace and this love is set upon you to work within your hearts. And the grace of God this grace that brings forgiveness and this grace that brings empowerment is set within us to actively engage within us so that we are grasping hold of the extravagant grace of God so that in embracing it we are are willing to embody it and then to even attempt to extend it to others. Peace, love with faith, and grace from our triune God. Lastly, there is no good way to translate the end of this benediction. In the ESV, it says, to love, um, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I don't think that's a good translation. It seems to suggest that there's that this benediction is great of grace is only given to those who have incorruptible love of Jesus. Mm, I don't know about you, that's not too comforting for me. As one who has this competition of loves going on within my heart. The question is, how do we how do we understand this last phrase? Literally it says uh in incorruptibility. It doesn't say with love incorruptible. It just says in incorruptibility. And so there are there are several uh, interpreters, and I agree with them that I think what he's doing here, and he is he's summing all things back up in what he has been saying to us from the beginning. That in Christ we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The love with which you and I have been blessed is the love of the heavenly places. The love of the triune God where it has always perfectly existed. Where it has perfectly been exhibited and experienced by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This this love of the heavenly places that cannot change, that cannot be diminished, that cannot fail, that cannot go away. There is an incorruptible love that exists within the God who is love. And there is an incorruptible love with which the Father loves his Son. And there is an incorruptible love in which the Father loves those who are in his Son. Beloved, everything that Paul has been saying to us here is a reminder to us that we, in Jesus Christ, now live and exist as ambassadors of the heavenly places where the realities of those places are absolute and incorruptible. And so the blessing here for God is not a blessing that is something that is only, you know, Uh, an earthly blessing, it is a heavenly blessing in which the blessing itself is to help us embrace and engage from the perspective 
of the new incorruptible existence that we have in Jesus Christ. Beloved, this is what Jesus has accomplished for us, and it is something that cannot be changed. It cannot be lost. It has already achieved its victory. What we are waiting for is the fullness of that victory to be put on display. And so while we wait for that, we live as those who are loved in order that we might love God, love one another, and reveal that love to this watching world. Not only when the world likes it, not only when they are receiving it, but even when and even as they hate it and as they want to work against it. We embrace, embody, and we extend the incorruptible love of God that God has set within our hearts in order that he might set himself before this watching world. What it means for you and for me to be in Christ is that this church has been granted a shared life in the resurrected, incorruptible Christ. And we have been made partners in the mission of our triune God in which Jesus Christ has accomplished all the peace that is needed and continues to bring about that peace in us and through us. So, beloved, as we are a church longing to follow Jesus Christ by taking up our cross to follow him, to let go of the things that get in the way of true living in order that in losing the things of this earth, we gain the realities of the heavenly places. If it is your desire to live out a heavenly calling now in Jesus Christ, then embrace by faith the shared life and mission that you and I have with our peacemaking Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, this peace is so hard for us to imagine because none of us, Lord, live in the full experience of peace. All of us wrestle with doubts, Lord. All of us wrestle with with our daily experiences, whether, whether it's sin that we are experiencing within ourselves or if it's someone else who has sinned against us. So much of our lives, Lord, is not marked by the peace of the heavenly places. And so help us, Lord, to be honest about that so that in acknowledging the gap between what you say has happened and what we experience on a daily life, our faith would grasp hold of things not seen. And in seeing from that perspective, Lord, we would redefine every experience that we have on a daily basis as we wrestle against loves that, that are contrary to your purposes, as we wrestle against loves that are the result of self-centered affections and aspirations. Lord, help us to grow in our sanctification of what it means to be your people, a heavenly people, who are longing to see the fullness of these heavenly realities come when our Savior returns. 
But until that day, Lord, set your benediction upon us. Give us your peace. Shape us by your incorruptible love. And may your grace so empower us to know who we are in Christ that we would abandon all things earthly and live for the glory and for the enjoyment of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, reveal to us the ways that we are desiring after temporary earthly things, that we might see them for what they are, and instead take up our cross and embrace the realities of the incorruptible resurrection life and existence of Christ and your church. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.